than YouTube video is very different from TikTok video, but it also diversifies you as a creator. It gives you more of a resume. It's like a salesperson. You want to be good at cold calling, closing, demoing, discovery. You want to have all these skills because that makes you a more attractive candidate. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around. The work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super excited because this is this is a guest I've been following for a while. He is absolutely everywhere. Will Aiken, sales evangelist for SalesFeed and content creator and event speaker for Vidyard. Will, thank you so much for joining me. What's up, Nick? I'm glad to be here. What Amazing. Yeah. So I, actually, before we even get into anything, like I've been super hyped on the evangelism term. And I know you have it. I know, you know, Nick Capozzi, Jen, like so many non-executives are starting to double down on like the evangelism role. So like before we even begin, like I want to get your thoughts on how does an evangelism or evangelist type role fit into the B2B world? Yeah, that is a good question. And luckily I've had a year to ask myself that every single day, right? So as one of the first kind of people who, who donned the title back in like 2021, middle of 2021, to me, an evangelist is bringing a human into the brand. It's, it's bringing a face and voice for the brand. And I like to think it almost like George Clooney and, and, and Nespresso. You know, you think, you think George Clooney, you think Nespresso, you think Nespresso, you think George Clooney. And that, that makes them so much more than just a coffee company. It makes them stylish. It makes them charismatic like George, right? That's where I, I see evangelism plugging in there to give brands a voice, but also speak to the customer. Most evangelists these days have actually done the role of the persona they're selling to. And right now, a lot of it is rev revenue, but I've seen it work for legal, seen it work a lot for developers as well. So often these people are actually trusted voices in the space before they become an evangelist and they connect to the customers at a level that a standard marketing team might struggle to do. Yeah, you bring up such a good point because this is something where I've been talking to a lot of people about this lately. Like you have all these executives in companies and they're like, well, I'm the evangelist of the company. I'm an executive. But, you know, I see so many non-executives and this is something that I've wanted to do is like, how do you pave that path for non-executives to create a role like this? And you hit on it a little bit, but like, what would you say to companies where like, an executive is trying to fight you on like, I should be the evangelist, not you. Hmm. I, I think it is a good idea that executives are the evangelists, at least to begin with. So when we look at smaller startups, the CEO kind of needs to do that to market the business, get their names out there. Uh, when I look at like the, let's, I'm going to use some sales examples. Amy Volos has to be the evangelist for Avenue Talent Partners. Scott Lee has to be his own evangelist for his consulting business. Will Allred is the evangelist for Lavender. And these are all small companies, but eventually 
there is space for both the executive, the CEO, or anyone on the executive board really on that C-suite to do it, as well as someone who's more in the trenches, who's more versed in the customer's day-to-day. My answer to you would be, there isn't, the two don't have to be independent of one another. One can, both can happen at the same time. They can be, and that's almost double the firepower, especially in the social and other community spheres. Yeah. And you bring up actually, it kind of led me into my, my next question. So thank you. But like when you amplify a brand or the people within the brand to, to be more trustworthy, how do you feel, you know, brand evangelists or even people that create content within the company can kind of reinforce that like trustworthiness of like a personal brand of a company? Yeah. I think the difference between what an evangelist can do and a standard content marketing team is they understand the customer on a much deeper level. There is a lot more resonance and therefore it's less corporate. So I think that in general, knowing that you have someone on board who's doing things the right way, builds that trust, it builds that credibility. Whereas if you put a marketing team out there, and this is exactly what my my boss would have, he didn't want to happen. If you make a marketing team, make content for salespeople, that it can be wishy-washy, it can be fluffy, it can be unactionable, it can be corporate Whereas if you bring in a seller to make that content and speak directly to the audience, that is a lot more credibility. You know, you can't, I wouldn't take sales advice or I wouldn't take marketing advice from someone who had never done it. It's imposter, right? Not to say there isn't bits of things we can learn from those people, but I wouldn't, you know, it's not that core. It's not their expertise. They haven't done it. So I think that's really where the difference comes in. And that's why people give credibility because often the people doing these roles have actually done the job that they're, uh, they're talking about. Yep. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. All right, so let's let's pivot to TikTok because you've not only grown one page, you've actually grown two pages, your own page as well as the sales feed one. Like, I'm so curious because I am just beginning on like my TikTok journey and like I still don't know my strategy there to be completely honest with you. But like, do TikTok videos perform well on platforms like LinkedIn? Because I see you do this a lot. And I've tried it and I see you like, I, I think it was like a week or so ago, you posted one of your TikTok videos on LinkedIn and it like absolutely blew up. And so I'm curious, like, how do you take TikTok videos and get them on platforms like LinkedIn? Like, how could a B2B company do this as well? Yeah. So we do it for our B2B sales feed sort of things. It's one of our, our highest performing posts are always TikToks. The thing about TikTok is it's very different from any content elsewhere. And a lot of B2B brands make the mistake of trying to make their content from YouTube, webinars, LinkedIn, podcasts fit on TikTok. Whereas that's kind of, it's the wrong way. You need to flip out its head, create content for TikTok. And the way you understand what TikTok wants is by consuming a lot of content because you'll start to notice. Create the content for TikTok and then redistribute that short form content everywhere else. That's exactly what I do every week. I look for opportunities to do it. If it's appropriate and if I know the video is good, TikTok is almost like testing ground for me at this point. If it pops up on TikTok, I know it's pretty good. It's good material to go on LinkedIn where there is a little bit more pressure to have consistent engagement. On TikTok, I can miss and no one's really going to know about it. If I put it on LinkedIn and it gets and it's rubbish, then you'll get seen by I, not more people, but there's, there's slightly more pressure for me to, to, to have LinkedIn engagement, let's say. So when I create TikToks, I think about trends. I think about TikTok style content, which is often obviously portrait is number one. That's one thing that I see a lot of B2B friends not doing. They're uploading like, you know, landscape videos, which it's the whole point of the, the app is that it's on this side screen. You don't turn your, 
people didn't come on to pull, uh, didn't, people didn't open up TikTok to watch a webinar, let's be honest, right? They want short, fast hits. They want people talking really quickly, energy to the point to feel like they learned something. They learned something, they like, they move on. That like gives you to have a reach. And then once I know it's good and once it's performed, I will just, I automatically have it downloaded from someone I post on TikTok, automatically downloads to my phone. And then I'll just directly upload that to LinkedIn. Sometimes I have to make it into an MP4 file because for whatever reason, LinkedIn doesn't like QuickTime files. I don't know why that is. It's hit or miss. Sometimes it uploads, sometimes it doesn't. That's it's so interesting because we don't for for Alice like we don't have a company page like I'll occasionally create content around gifting or direct mail and kind of use it that through that but like it's it's interesting because I feel like I feel like B two B marketers specifically like not as many of them are on TikTok yet like there's more and more that seem to be popping up every single day but in in your mind like is there like what are some of the B two B companies that are using TikTok really well right now. Good question. So first off, what you said, like that, that I think almost everyone I know has got TikTok now. Like they yeah. just maybe not creating, right? That's that's yep. the big difference, and that's why it's good because it's a really good way way to stand out right now, creating content that no one else is making, which is why it performs on LinkedIn. Because LinkedIn is still new; they still don't. Most people on there might even write off TikTok, but they're still happy to see that short form content, which we know works. There is a company called Laudable who do a really good job of it. Obviously, sales feed. Actually, I manage a couple of other brands for them, a couple of sales trainers. I manage their, their, their accounts for them. Let me just have a quick look because I'm going to have to get. Chili Piper do a good job. They use it more so for a for advertising their jobs, which is a good idea because it's a young show on TikTok. Let me just go through who I follow. Bear with me. I'll just read them out as I go. B2B org. Zoom does pretty well. There's a company called Biteable who do a really good job. A girl called Haley runs that. They're kind of in the same space as video, but not quite. It's more internal video. JB Sales have been doing a great job of consistency, which is a lot of it. Gorif Genie is a good one. Scratchpad have been really consistent. Hashtag Sam Sales, Sam McKenna's sales trading company. Yeah, and there's probably a few others that I could list off as well. PandaDoc does pretty good as well. So those are the ones that I'm aware of, at least. I think yeah. when I see their content, they do a good job of it. I think one of the biggest places that people fall down is they post once and they, they never come back. So I've seen some really good content from the likes of AspireShip and RepCube, but the consistency is what falls down. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And and I am curious, like in your mind, like B2B marketers and salespeople, do you think that them creating their own content on TikTok and re- again, it's reinforcing like the trustworthiness of who that person is, is more impactful than the company posting from like a corporate handle? Well, I've done both. Yeah. <laughs> and sales feed has now overtaken myself and followers despite the fact that he counts half the age of my original one. I think TikTok's definitely a great place to grow your personal brand and and sometimes when you're on LinkedIn, when you're on these other platforms, even corporate Twitter and, and Instagram, it can sometimes feel like you're in a little bit of a bubble. You see the same names every single day. Sure, you get 100 likes on a post, but it's the same 100 people every single time. I think TikTok's a great place to break out of that because it's such a great platform for reach. So you find out these people who, who aren't even on LinkedIn, they don't go on that. They may, they may even say they hate LinkedIn. They might be the people on Reddit who make fun of LinkedIn influencers, but they'll watch you on TikTok. So I think it's a new audience. And if I was to do it again, yes, I would 100% begin with my own account, but still do my personal brand there. But it's also great practice so that when you get uh, managing a company account, you have that experience in your back pocket and you've learned all the lessons that you learn when you start up a TikTok account. Because there is a bit of intuition that comes with it as well, which is why SalesBeat grew much faster than my personal account because I already had the, the wisdom and I'd already failed a lot 
on my own account. Yep. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's great feedback. And I feel like one thing that you do really well, and like, I, I love watching your videos is like, you do like the cold call opening lines. And so I'm curious, like, how do cold call opening lines make or break your company's inch image in, in like, kind of like that perspective buyer's mind? Wow. We just switched from marketing to sales like that, eh? I don't think it's the end of the world. If you mess up your opening line, most of we just forget about it. And it's really the difference between having a conversation with a prospect and not, which is where the opening line comes in. You've really got to you know, once someone knows they're getting a cold call, they're, they're firstly being said, I'm busy going into a meeting and I'm going to hang up. So that opening line is really going to be what, what makes or breaks and allows you to have a conversation with a prospect, which can then lead to something greater. So I don't think unless you're saying really, something really outlandish, you can really do much damage from being a horrible cold call opener, but you can have a whole lot more success if you nail those first five seconds. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you for sure. And actually, I was in sales before I moved to marketing. And a lot of people that listen to this show actually are, are salespeople, funny enough. And just kind of doubling down on that, could you share some kind of cold calling tactics for like maximum conversion that will, I guess, doubling down, like how can a well-planned cold call help you develop a strong, stronger personal brand? Yeah, so a well-planned cold call, in my, in my mind, it all comes together as a puzzle. So if I'm a seller, and I'm targeting a prospect, then even when I don't connect or don't have a full conversation with them, each touch point adds up. So maybe they've seen me on LinkedIn, I've commented on their posts, I've liked their posts, they've maybe even liked one of mine if I'm making good content, that happens a lot. And then I've sent them an email and then I've left them a voicemail and then I've cold called them. It all builds familiarity. And I think the best thing you can do to prepare for a cold call is have a really good reason for why you're calling. And a lot of people don't have that. Why are you calling? Oh, well, I want to tell you about it. That's not a good reason. Whereas if I've done a little bit of prep, and it doesn't need to mean that I have to spend 10 minutes researching every single prospect. In fact, I can actually build a list of 100 prospects who are very similar. And then I can call them and I can say, let's say I have 100 prospects who I know recently promoted. So they've recently had a promotion. And they're all using Salesforce. And they're all based in New York. That's enough for me to be really relevant and give them a great reason for my call. I'm calling them all for the same reason. Hey, look, I just saw you recently promoting your, your company's using Salesforce. A lot of companies who are doing that, a lot of companies who are using Salesforce are finding that I'm just going to use, let's say, Dooley or Scratchpad, for example, is that their reps are spending way too much doing time doing admin tasks instead of actually um, selling. We have to make it easier and better. How are you currently, how much of a challenge is that on your team today? That could be a, that's a great reason for a call. It leads to a problem. And then I'm opening a question to launch that conversation off. So that's the kind of prep I'd be doing. And I wouldn't be doing it right before the call. I'd be doing it when I'm actually building the list and building those targets. Because then no matter what, I can repeatedly give them a really good reason for why I'm reaching out. Whereas if you do the whole research thing, I spend 10 minutes, they may know the phone. It's time wasted. So that's that's where I'd probably spend time being prepared before a cold call. Yeah, no, it's it's really great advice, actually. And now I guess kind of going back to like the the evangelist piece, because I think this is something where it's a question I get a lot, where more and more people want to understand like how how can an evangelist use their their personal brand and the audience that they built as a platform to enhance the personal branding of a company? Because it's interesting, like, yo, know, I work for Alice. Like lots of people work for a company. They don't work by themselves. Like what's the benefit to that company? So Nick, I we've never spoken before, but I know you work for Alice. And when I think of Alice, I think of you. And when I think of you, I think of Alice. Same thing with the George Clooney analogy I gave earlier. Yeah. So there is that. There is the fact that people will see your post, they will click on your profile to follow you, and they will see Alice, which is more reach, more brand recognition. And I would say it's less than an, it's more than an impression. So that's actually good. They're remembering 
Nick said something really great. He made a great tweet or he gave some awesome advice that I'm going to use. And then it's, it's Alex and Nick gave that to me. So it's giving to get. And that's the thing. A lot of creating content is about giving nine times out of 10. And then you, it's okay to ask for something every now and again as well. I think so many people are worried about selling out. They don't just say, hey, for me, for example, I'd sometimes I just make a post and say, hey, use Vidyard. And it gets 150 likes. Boom. That's more than the whole Vidyard page has had all year in engagement. So those are the opportunities to do that. There are obviously other opportunities as coming on on podcasts. Like right now, I'm talking about Vidyard and you sell listening. Send videos to your prospects. There you go. I just did a little bit of selling right there. But there's that piece of it as well. And I think it's almost, it's really knotting the two together. So the names become synonymous. And that way, every impression that you get, Alice gets as a result of that. And all the while, you'll continue to grow. So if one day, let's say you and Alice part ways, you you come out with a great takeaway as well. You haven't, you haven't sold out. You can go do that for someone else. I could okay. see this getting to the point where you can rep- represent multiple brands. At the same time, you could be a NASCAR driver with 20 logos slapped on your car. Let's, let's, I wouldn't want to sell that much. I want the more things I believe in, but you can wrap a lot of brands. I think all at once, it's not something I've done a ton of yet, but it's something I'm thinking about long-term that companies in B2B are going to do more of that because B2C influences already doing it. Yep. Love, love the play on words, by the way, that you had there. <laughs> um, all right. So a lot of your videos, like they're, they're funny. Like you bring the humor aspect into it. And so I'm curious, like how did adding humor to evangelism and kind of, you know, everything that you do from your videos, did it affect your professional performance? Like how did it play out in the personal branding and the building, the audience of sales feed? Mm. I love making a bit of humor videos because the engagement's through the roof on them as well. That said, I don't want to just be a clown. <laughs> You know, you don't want to just be the funny guy, right? Because you said, mentioned earlier, credibility is important. So we've gone very much so with leaned all the way into a very much a almost 50-50 entertainment and education team. So the entertaining stuff, some people love that or it gets their attention. And then we come in and feed them some some great advice that they can use in their day-to-day roles. And that's often a reason that we see a lot of followers. We, most of our followers come from the educational stuff. Most of our engagement comes from the funny stuff. So... It's almost like a little one-two situation, but it also keeps us credible because we're giving really good, insightful advice. Not just us, but we're sourcing that from across the community as well. We involve a lot of other people in our in our content where we can because don't tell anyone, but I'm not the best salesperson on the planet and my scope is limited. So I can tell you what's good sales advice and what's not, but it, it would be a disservice to the audience just to rely on what I think is the best way to do sales. So that's why I bring a lot of people as well. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great advice as well. And, you know, this is something, this this next question that I've been thinking about, it's something where, you know, you have a newsletter and I feel like newsletters are a great way to diversify yourself. And I feel like it's something that I'm actually in the process of creating one myself with Arthur Castillo from Chili Piper. And we're actually creating it around evangelism and how it plays into like the, the B2B world. Yeah, the greats. And you yeah. Have, there you go. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious, like, what role does a newsletter play in your mind into a company's like branding image? Hmm. So it's a good question. You mentioned branding because to me, social engagement is hard to track, but we can convert social followers to a newsletter relatively easily versus converting them to a customer or a user of Vidyard's case as we have a freemium model. So to me, our funnel kind of looks like top engagement, 
Then we have followers. TikTok's probably our, our lightest followers. They're probably the least likely to come. They're probably above. Then we get that LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram follower, maybe at that level. And then we got our newsletter. And this sits right above the rest of the traditional marketing channel. Mm-hmm. So from the newsletter, that's where people convert to become MQLs. I know a lot of people don't like that term. The newsletter sits just above that. So now, and, and we also own that as well. And that's a really important thing, owning your list. Because platforms can pull the rug out from under you. Tomorrow, LinkedIn could ban my account. They've tried twice for whatever reason. Because they're like, oh, you're using bots. And I, if I was using bots, then I, I wouldn't be this funny. But I'm sure, I don't know. I know Todd Klaus is someone who's been banned a couple of times as well. Just for, for getting lots of profile views. They just flag it. TikTok is very temperamental. They're very, if you, if you get mass reported, if someone just takes a disliking to you, they can just mass report your account and every single of your posts and your account can get taken down. A newsletter, meanwhile, you own that. So it's important in that respect. It's also closer to converting that person to a follower in my mind. The danger is a lot of newsletters aren't very good. And I think that's that, that where a lot of companies fall down on newsletters. It's, and you bring up a good point too, because I, I agree. And this is something, re- remember, I think it was like last year or something, like people were getting like, just like kicked off LinkedIn left and right. And it was like, I think it was a glitch or something like yeah. Justin Welsh was gone one day and then he obviously got back. But like, it's, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it more and more. Like, how do you d- diversify yourself? Because like you said, like LinkedIn could be gone tomorrow. TikTok could be gone. Twitter, like if you don't own a list, you don't own all those followers that you have on these social media platforms. Like what advice would you give to someone to even get started to diversify themselves off of a a social media platform? I would go broad, not too broad. We don't want to be making posts on Pinterest right now. Okay. Although apparently they have a good algorithm, I might consider it, but we, I operate across, I've been trying to get into Instagram. It's a, it's a struggle just to to find the time sometimes, but if I could automate the the, the reels, I could just move the TikToks into reels. But that probably my first thing I'd do. I'd make sure you try and mix up your following as much as possible across Twitter, LinkedIn, so much Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and then a newsletter and YouTube even. And then you're in a better spot because I have nightmares about my LinkedIn profile just getting deleted one day. All right. But I would feel much better about it if I still had my 50,000 followers on TikTok. Right. It wouldn't be the end of the world. Now, if TikTok and LinkedIn got taken away from me, then I'd be like, okay, well, I have a thousand followers on Twitter, which is very many, right? But, but that's, that's where I'd be thinking. So just, just, it's almost like uh, safeguarding yourself, um, which is why it's really good to get good at each of these platforms because they all require different things. A YouTube video is very different from a TikTok video, but it also diversifies you as a creator. It gives you more of a resume. It's like a salesperson. You want to be good at cold calling, closing, demoing, discovery. You want to have all these skills because that makes you a more, attractive candidate. If I can say I've done YouTube videos and I've edited those and I've made TikTok and I'm big on LinkedIn and I can, I'm a good copywriter, which I'm not by the way, but, but all of those things, they make me a better rounded individual creator as well. So even if I do get my account taken away, I could start again from fresh with all of the lessons I learned and probably get back up to that following account pretty quickly. Just like the way that I learned all those mistakes from my personal TikTok account. So when I started sales speed, we just straight up. We went viral almost immediately. That's honestly, it's that's killer advice. And like, I've been thinking about that too. Like, I feel like that there's so many things like I've learned over the last two and a half years that like, again, if I had to start over on LinkedIn, I could probably do it again. TikTok, I'm still trying to figure it out over there. So I'm going to have to like pick your brain after at some point, because like, I just repurpose my podcast content or shoot random videos and like, it's all over the place, but it's all right. I I give anyone who's my friend 
advice for free on TikTok, support as well. If it's a brand though, I do have to, I can't drive in a way for advice to companies. Oh. That's yourself, Nick, if you ever wanted anyone listening as well, if you ever want pointers or questions, just shoot me a message as well. That's amazing. All right. So I know we're coming up on time. I have two final questions for you. So the first one is if you were to give any advice to a B2B marketer, because there is a lot of younger marketers that listen to this as well, that want to get started with content creation, what would you, what would you tell them? You need to stop talking like a marketer in all the content. I think that's really one of the biggest things. And my newsletter, right? So I don't write my newsletter. I have a writer. It's not a dyslexic writer. But um, there's this weird thing in B2B marketing where people write posts like a marketing brand. Like it's it's kind of like icky feel to it. So I'd be really focusing on the voice, how your customers talk, because that's how you should be writing, not we studied this and found this insight and all that. I would try and make it almost, you want to be a person that people can relate to and they can't relate to if you're doing all that corporate crap. It might be more applicable for other industries, but in SaaS, no one wants anymore. We've moved on. All right. So I would work on voice and look at some people who are doing really well and you'll often always see none of them are talking like, like, uh, like they're reading off an ebook. So that would be my, my most, uh, my most important advice to marketers. I love that. And then the last question for you, as we move into 2023, what's oh, like, don't remind <laughs> me what the heck, didn't it? It's oh, so crazy. But like, what's the one thing that you feel B2B companies, but maybe even let's just focus on tech, like that they're going to double down on as a strategy or a channel in 2023? Because I have my own thoughts here, but I'm curious on yours. Mm, you go first. I think it's influencer marketing. And the reason that I say that is because I feel like B2C has done this really, really well. And I think B2B wants to take advantage of like, being able to do like, you know, UGC content, like being able to get more campaigns out there that are just, again, respectful people that like are well-respected in the community. And I think that more and more are going to double down on creating those campaigns. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing next. I'm glad that, you said that. that I, I think the biggest challenge stopping that from happening right now is it's not easy to do so. Almost all the sponsors that I've worked with have actually outbounded them. They were well, they were like, yeah, we would love to sit. You'd say nice stuff to me. I don't get hit up as much. I, I've gotten up a lot more recently, but like there needs to be a platform or a service or a way for these people to get in touch with these people because otherwise you're building Excel lists of people with the biggest follow accounts, which mean nothing these days, by the way. People with 100,000 followers getting two likes in their posts. They don't, you know, you don't need to be looking at engagement. It's so difficult. Whereas if there was a platform, this is a huge opportunity for anyone. I don't know if there is something, but there should be for all these influencers because there's definitely something like that for B2C for brands to get connected with B2B influencers, that would be a huge aid to the idea that you just mentioned. Yep. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with you there. Amazing. All right. Will, where can people go to find you, learn more about you, connect with you, anything that you want to plug? Now's your chance. Well, I think we've plugged all the way through this. So so we've been talking about LinkedIn and TikTok and YouTube and sales feed. All of those places are a way you're going to see me hanging around. So my name's Will Aitken um, and I work for sales feed and we're on every channel with Pinterest coming soon. Amazing. All right. Will, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to share this with everyone else. Hope you all have a grand, great rest of your day and we'll catch y'all soon. Thanks, Dick. 
Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.